conversation so I can actually. Oh, do we have a, a scroller so we can scroll the screen? You're so you're so needy. A needy? Yes, you're needy. Oh, I, I don't I'm, think I'm ever, the talent. I don't think. <laughs> Definitely not humble, I'll tell you that. Hello, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, the podcast where myself and a few of my friends get together and discuss nerdy things. Just a reminder, if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to Seriously Pointless Conversations' YouTube channel, or you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you for your support. Without you, none of this would be possible. Thanks for coming by. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things across the high seas of Hyrule. Yar, James, <laughs> you be ready. I be ready. That's right. We're going to be looking for some booty today. Yar. I mean, Tetra doesn't have much of a booty to be No, funny. no. And she's really underage. So oh, wow. Well, oh, no, no booty. <laughs> no booty. Back away. No, I would not be canceled today. No. So, guys, obviously you haven't heard yet. Uh, we are, uh, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, James, and we went into some very dangerous territory there for really early on. So, be prepared, folks. We, we're we're garnering up. So, how you been, James? I've been doing very well. Yeah? I worked a lot over the holiday season, and I'm finally off, and I'm enjoying myself. So, Well, that's the trade-off, though, right? Because you did get to go see your, your in-laws up around, uh, I won't say. I, it's, did, it's, I did get a bonus Christmas. Yeah, Columbia. But then I had to work through the real Christmas, so that's right. And, yeah, there's trade-offs to life. Right? Well, that's good though. But you had a good Christmas overall, right? I had a great Christmas overall. I good. still got to see my family. My brother came into town, so it's been great. That's always a good thing because I know your brother's it lives kind of more on the uh, about six hours away from where we're at, and so it's a bit of a trek to come in. It's a bit of a trek, and because of his work, we don't often get to see him around the holidays, and so it's true. it was very nice to get to see him right around Christmas. It was a, it was a good Christmas overall too. Yeah, I, I can uh, I can totally agree with that. We did a lot of traveling. A little bit more traveling while I was work. We we got that big heavy snow like the day before, or the day two days before Christmas. It was quite the storm yeah. around here. Well, we got think, what close to five or six inches over a couple of days. Yeah, it wasn't all at once, but over a couple of days. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot more. But I I mean we were a lot better off than a lot of folks I know because from what I was reading, not trying to sound like a meteorologist or anything like that, <laughs> but we had a heavy gust of um, frigid air coming from the Russian uh, continent, apparently, or Russian country. They, they, they basically the way they said it was, it was basically a a little cold wind front came in from like Siberia down through Alaska, mm-hmm. and then basically like three fourths of the United States got hit with this. Yeah, no, there was cold wind coming that direction, and warm wind coming out from the Gulf. And yeah, we honestly caught the tail edge of it. Oh yeah, I saw some videos from up near like Maine and Minnesota where they got like feet of snow, like yeah. three, four, five feet of snow. They were probably crazy. like, you know, we, you know, this isn't too bad, eh? We're just gonna crack open some beers and have a good time, play a little hockey later, you know. Well, you know, one of these days, this was like a childhood dream. I'd yeah. love to be somewhere with like six feet of snow where I could literally tunnel through the snow. I think that would be amazingly fun. See, if we were to do that, our luck is we'd get trapped in there and it'd be like, Donner, party of two. You know, yeah, we'd we'll probably freeze and die. I mean, I'm, I'm, I will acknowledge that it, I preface this with childhood dream. <laughs> it would probably be not nearly as much fun as I think it would be. I know, because you always see those movies that are like things like uh, like Snow Day. You remember that yeah. old one? It's like they have all these tunnels and things. You're like, I'm going to make one of those in my day. And then you try to like make something like that in your backyard when you get some decent amount of snow. And it just like doesn't work because it's the wrong type of snow, or you don't have enough snow, and have it's just. You, have you ever tried to make an igloo? Because I've done one before. 
Uh, I've done a couple of them. I gotta tell you, snow is freaking heavy. It is. It takes some serious structural support. Real question though, James, is do you want to build a snowman? I always want to build a snowman. That's right, you want to build a snowman. You make some snow angels with me. It doesn't have to be a snowman. I know, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. So, but yeah, other than our, our, our weather commentary, so... As far uh, as games go, yeah. you should check out High on Life. Did you play it? Did you finish it up? I didn't finish it up. That's on my list to do this week. Maybe Monday I'll sit down and play yeah. it and try and finish it up. But I get finished the first few quests, and it is absolutely hysterical. It's so it's made by the creators of Rick and Morty, and yes. it plays like a Rick and Morty episode. If it, you like it, you'll love it. If you don't like it, don't bother. So I kind of am in the middle ground of it, okay? I love Mick and, Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. I love Mick and Mickey. Rick and Morty. Yeah, anyways. Um, my mouth couldn't work there. I do love Rick and Morty, but I don't know, man. It seemed a little repetitive to me. Um, but like you said, it is just a giant Rick and Morty episode. And the humor in it is so dumb and so juvenile, but it's also so like... Just... I don't know. It's just got that Rick and Morty feel. To, I don't know the correct word I've ever Yeah, the it, actual like gameplay, the shooter part of it. Is merely passable. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. The, 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 the guns are mildly engaging. The gameplay is okay. It has some bad platforming in it. Yeah. But yeah, there's a constant stream of humor as you play. I'm going to say, though, the, the, the pseudo Care Bears are probably my favorite part of it so far. The Care Bears are great, and so is the, <laughs> the friend that joins you in the Care Bear area. The friend, that yeah. you try to kill and you can't. And I got to say, when you finish the Care Bear area and you get to finally kill him, it's very satisfying. Single tear. <laughs> yes. It, it, is, it is all pretty good. Uh, I would recommend it just, like I said, like like James was saying, just for the sheer enjoyment of it. So, And, it, and like I said, it's only like, it only took me like eight or nine hours to beat. So That's it's, not long. And that's if you don't just like try to ex- just go crazy exploring. I only think it took me. I only think the only reason it took me nine hours to finish was because I was going through and trying to find all the little things, like all the little you know money chests and things like yeah. that. Because there's actually achievement to find all those, which yeah. seems really dumb. I'll be honest with you. Normally, I like to do the exploration completionist, but like I said, the actual gameplay wasn't that engaging, yeah. so I'm probably just going to finish the story and call it good. That's and the story is pretty funny. I'll be honest with that. So and and that's the thing is the I like the level. Of, that's the one thing I did like about it though was the even though the gameplay like you said was passable, the boss fights are challenging enough mm-hmm. that they get you kind of engaged and kind of get you a little give give you like a little bump of like oh this is fun maybe we'll see what kind of goes from here. But like the generalized They're challenging like, enough to be interesting, but not so challenging you're going to need more than one try at least yes. on the standard difficulty. Yeah, um, and it definitely kind of brings a nice, uh, a nice little breather from all the monotonous, like going after the bad guys. Yeah, the the actual progress of the game is kind of waves of generic enemies. Which, yeah, considering you have to kill every single one before it lets you progress, it's oh, pretty annoying. I actually found a little bit of a glitch one time. Like, there's a certain part where you have to go through like levels mm-hmm. to get to one of the. Well, one of the I think he was one of the last bad guys in the game, mm-hmm. and for the life of me, it would not let me would not open the door because it said I hadn't killed everybody, mm-hmm. and so at a certain point it times out and it resets those levels. Oh no! And I was literally doing it for like forty five minutes. It oh made me gosh. so angry. So, but eventually I was like, okay, fine, I'm just gonna go here. I'm gonna start at the bottom. I'm gonna kill everybody, and I was very methodical about it. And it, but it was just, it was very annoying to do. So needless to say, hopefully they kind of patch that out 
and I know it's I know why they do it, so you don't like just rush through the get to the the very end point because you could literally get to the very end point without well, killing it is anybody. Because a lot of the game is just like scripted audio; it's voice yeah. acted audio from the Rick and Morty guys, and they're talking about all sorts of things yeah. while you're playing the game, and it's hilarious. But the gameplay is very much a backdrop to what's going on, and if oh, yeah. they went too fast, then they wouldn't have time to finish all their fluffing in the background. So it's self <laughs> yeah, no way that my I'll leave it alone. It's yeah, it's, it's basically this them just having a whole lot of fun doing just goofy stuff. But but it was fun. Did you get to play anything else though at all? Uh, not so much. You get to watch anything at all then? Um, I've been going back and uh, we started watching Demon. Uh, Welcome to Demon School, Iruma Kun. I saw that on yeah. Crunchyroll, and I thought it was going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of watching it because we were out of things to watch. The first few episodes were pretty hilarious, and now it's kind of settling down into a middling sort of anime. So <laughs> I don't know. I have a hard time recommending it, but well, you know, it's it's that's kind of the way that the, you know the the we're kind of at the, the fair right things, now where yeah. a lot of the stuff from the last season's finished. A lot of the new stuff's not back yet, but nothing's going to really be coming out for a few weeks at least. So. You just got to find something that, that'll get you through the the tunnel to the end of the pretty much. Yeah. Just try to fill some time in. I understand that completely. So that's kind of what I've been doing right now because I was trying to watch some, I don't know. I So I'll, I'm just trying to do my 45-minute like walk on the treadmill for my cardio the other day. And I was actually, I got through like two and a half episodes of uh, My Hero Academia. So I'm almost all the way caught up. And the new season slaps is pretty good. It, it is legit. I would highly recommend it because it, it is pretty fun just to watch the... Um, Oh, who's the Decay guy? I can't remember his name. Um, uh, Toshinori, no, T-something. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name, but he, like, his new, like, after him coming out of his little tube and everything like that, it's it's good stuff. Yeah. He's legit good, so I'd be interested to see how they do it, because he's at basically full power, and all little whiny britches is not, so it's good stuff he's to not, watch. and I, I wonder if we're going to a climax, or if it's going to be kind of a a countdown to the end type thing where it's like, Oh, he's injured, but he'll be back in 30 days or something. I think it's going to be that. I think a whole, I think that all Might's going to give him all of his power at that point. So something's going to happen. Yeah. Something big is going to happen or it's going to be bad. So, but I, I, I want to see, cause I kind of feel like it's coming kind of coming to a, an end point to just kind of watching it. Watch the OVA, the Mr. Smiley OVA. That one was hilarious. No, I haven't gotten a chance to see Check that out one. the OVA between the two seasons. Okay. There was one really great episode about a, a so-called villain called Mr. Smiley. His powers, when you look at him, you break down into laughter. That it, seems really creepy. It's that, really funny. Okay. At least it's funny, though. <laughs> um, well, other than that, I know I was wad. I played High on Life, but I've also got actually picked up quite a few things on the Steam Winter Sale, which I was pleasantly surprised. There were actually some really good deals. Yeah. Um, I know I got us, uh, I know I got you, our buddy Zach uh, and Tara and, um, Kelly actually all got, uh, Tribes of Midgard. Yes, which is actually a lot of fun. We've been enjoying that. Which is, I'm interested, so what really interests me is how many people can you have playing all at once? Like how, what's the most amount of people you can have? It's a lot. I'm not sure. As I, we can have, we've had six right now so far. Cause even it's like 12 or 16. Oh, wow. That's a pretty good number. That is a lot of folks. I guess you'd maybe need quite a few folks at a certain point to, uh, get some of the bigger end bosses. I know, um, as long as the, uh, servers hold, like they were, they were definitely not being playing with us nice the other night, but I mean, it's just see. It makes you wonder like, are these hosted on their servers or is this hosted on the first players, you know, internet because I don't know. 
<laughs> That's the other thing I was thinking of. I think it's on. I think it's on a server, probably, but it, it, that's always a it good question. It was quest. pretty unstable last time we played. It was, sorry. It was definitely not having a good time with us the other day. Um, but it, overall, though, the gameplay is fun, and I like the setting a little bit. The only downside, though, is you kind of get put back on the same map over and over and over again. Yeah, the constant reset is a little bit repetitive because the I mean, early can, game is always I can, exactly I can the tell it really, really makes you excited, James. It does. <laughs> <laughs> But, no. but I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to actually be doing. I haven't like grasped the core sequence yet, so. Well, it's, yeah, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. It is, it is a little, it is a little janky if you don't kind of dig into it. But it's just literally just a progression game, is all it is, and. Yeah, I think the, that's that's the game is nailing down the smoothest possible progression. Yeah, that's what I haven't figured out yet. Well, there's probably I definitely have watched a couple of videos online about it, and they have helped me immensely on what I'm supposed to be doing and trying to get things. Honestly, you're not that you're not that far off from what I was watching you do. It's not that far off. The problem is getting everybody else to you know, come into consensus and not just try to level up other things. Yeah, like you can get to a certain point. Like, like I was reading and and watching that the biggest thing we need to do is if we're going to do that second or the anything past the 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 the, the prequel yeah it's like you need to i think everyone needs to level up their gear so you can fight these harder bosses not necessarily so the thing i was noticing is it's harder in the long run if people keep um uh trying to upgrade the armor and the weaponsmith and mm-hmm. the blacksmith the best thing to do is upgrade the tinkerer because you can get better tools because when you start chopping down stuff and you start mining stuff, you get more, like significantly more things, like resources from it. And then you take those oh, really? and you will build up the, um, the other resource like settlements outside of your town. And they give you free stuff. They just get, then you can just start getting free stuff as fast as you want. And then at that point, you should have that done by the second day or at least started building up those by the second day. And then you can start upgrading the weapon armor and the the armor and the wep- the blacksmith. No, we've been doing it all wrong then. And I think there's been a couple people that have been doing, have been going after the uh, upgrading the armor and the blacksmith. And I'm just trying to tell them I was like, no, don't do that. And it's it it, it is what it is. So it's it, it is you know everybody has their own priorities because they they want to go out and explore and things like that. But it's like, eh, hold on. Like it's you want to work. I get it. You want to upgrade yourself and whatnot, but you got to slow down. And like, if you do this, everyone else will upgrade, and we can all kill big things a lot faster. And that's the whole thing is that you want to eventually kill Fenrir in the first act. And I just don't think we ever, I don't think we ever got to that point. So anyway, let's talk about the topic of our video. What topic is that, James? It's gonna be Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. So this is so this is the third game in our trilogy that we are talking about. And this is something we're trying a little it's bit our, different. It's our third 3D Zelda game. Yeah, our third yeah 3D Zelda game. And like I said, we, I like this kind of uh, the way we're setting these things up. So um, this is happens to be, uh, for lack of a better word, um, one of the more unique Zelda games that I've come across. It's a significant departure from the formula yeah. of the series, which we're going to talk about today. When it first came out, led to some controversy. Amongst the developers and the you know, fan reception. Oh yeah, and then also in the long run, it's been widely held to be one of the more one of the best Zelda games of all time. So it got released in two thousand two. This is a GameCube game. 
Yep. It's 2003 for the English audience guys who had to wait a few months <laughs> while they panic fixed some problems in the game. No, yeah. It's... But uh, it's set in a large archipelago, and the idea is that you are part of this series of islands. You play a titular link character as usual. Mm-hmm. In this case, you're actually trying to save your sister. Oi! Which... <laughs> To be fair, I she never knew... She screams at the beginning of the game over and over again. It's like yes. become a thing now. But So, real question, though, is I was like, does, is, it ever, is, it, is that canon now that Link has a sister? No, in this game, apparently, this is like a rite of passage for your boys that, like, on your whatever birthday, you're supposed yeah. to, like, don the hero's garb and you become Link for a day or something, and I don't know, it's... It's kind of stretch, it's a, little, it's a little tenuous, but... <laughs> but you, you become Link, your sister, I think, is Marin. Okay. And then there's, of course, a Ganon who is struggling over a Triforce. Uh, since it's more nautically themed, there's a pirate captain named Tetra. By the yep. end, she gets revealed to be the Princess Zelda analog what? for the game. I know, big surprise everybody. I know, right? And you get a talking boat named the King of Red Lions who you beat early on. Is he a real king, though? He is a real king, yes. That's right. When you finish the game, he is revealed to be the King of Hyrule who was cursed into the shape of a boat. Man, this guy just really... The the actual plot for this is a little convoluted in the end, but most of the game it's a seafaring adventure. I said that this this king gets the short of the stick. You know, like, he, he he's a ghost in, um oh, what's the new the other one, the newest one they came out with a while ago? Breath uh, of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. Ghost, yeah. He just gets, like, changed into all kinds of different he's things. He's always shafted. He's always turned to stone, or something terrible has to happen to him for the game to start. Okay. Like, always. It is acceptable. So, without going much deeper into it, so, you, when, I never played this game. I never got a chance to even get a hold of it, because neither of us had a GameCube, I know that, but you did get a tiny bit of I've gotten to play. Yeah. Uh, one of our friends had it on his GameCube. Yep. Uh, he got it in the the box that came with Master Quest or Urizel, yep. like we talked about last time. Yep. Uh, and I played it a little bit then. I didn't actually play the game really until much later. Yeah. Uh, it got a GameCube remaster re-release, and I got to play it on uh, Joe's whenever he left his... Uh, Oh, whatever the console came out on. You're talking about I the didn't... GameCube or the... No, it wasn't on GameCube. It about got... the Wii? It got re-released for the Wii. Okay. And it was on the Wii store for a download, and I got to play it whenever Joe left his uh, console at the house for a weekend, so... Oh, nice. So, so that was nice. Well, that was nice to Joe. Thank you, Joe, for letting James Thank you, play Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Which, this is one of his favorite games of all time, so... Really? Yeah. He okay. Really oh, okay. Well, I'll take it as it is, because, like I said, I just never really... It is definitely kind of got that. It's, I think it's kind of in a weird spot in between some of the other games because it doesn't have it's. It's got better. It looks better than the sixty four games, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have like any of the motion controls and like all the new stuff that like the Wii. Would, is it doesn't have. have the motion control gimmicks that have played some of the later games, which yeah. I think most people agree they did in the long run were kind of a bad move. They didn't age very well, but well, yeah. So. This game, just kind of bringing it out there, was cel-shaded. So the art director took it in a very different direction. And while the 64 games we talked about before were a kind of realistic dark fantasy style, this one went full-on cartoon style. And the developers did it for a lot of reasons that we'll get into later, but this was a very big controversy as part of the game. So, some people loved it, yeah. some people hated it, but it was very different from what was being done at the time. So is this this is primarily what when people say like Toon Link, this is primarily what they're talking this about. This is where Toon Link came from. Okay. This is the Toon Link game. Toon Link did reappear in some other titles like Spirit Tracks, which I did not get into. 
compared to Link's spear tracks. But <laughs> man, but, but this is where face. this is where Toon Link came from. So uh, it was developed by uh, A.G. Anamana and produced by Shigeru Miyamoto, like usual. Uh, they started <laughs> developing it in 2000 before Majora's Mask was yep. even quite complete, and this was kind of the thing back then: is that yeah, these games, yeah. We're on a shorter development cycle than what a lot of these games are now. Where, for example, we've been waiting a long time since. Well, you get like Breath of the Wild, like two, three years between, like at most, between games, right? There was there was a lot of pressure to put out a game for these titles every year or two, and that often meant they had well, to develop them. Well that's also it. Kind of goes along with the, the console cycle too, right? Though mm-hmm. you had new consoles coming out. You would have a new console console about every five years, and in between there, like every two and a half years, you would have like a, a maybe an updated version yeah, of the console, something exactly. like that. And so this was for the new console, and it had to come out early on in the console yeah. cycle. So this is when it had to come out. So do you remember when the GameCube was released at all, off the top of your head? It wasn't too many. It wasn't. It was maybe a year before this. Two thousand one, two thousand two, something like that. Yeah, it I was, remember. I knew it was pretty soon after or soon before. Dora's Mask was ninety nine. And that was at that was the very end, very of, the, end, yeah. very end of the 64, right? Yeah. It was one of the last games to come out. But yeah. So, uh, let's see. What were so, you were talking about mainly the, the, the cell the shading. art style. So, yeah. this cartoony art style, which has become very endearing now. And so, yes. fast forward 20 years later, cell shaded and cartoony art style games are very popular. Yes. For a lot of reasons. Like, one, they're easier to develop stylistically. They, they carry an artist's style and feel. And along with a good music score, can really make a game feel. We talked about James. I think I thought that uh, they're cheaper to make than something hyper realistic like Death yeah. Stranding or something. I thought Elder Scrolls was just like they just slap dashed, you know, random color schemes. It's like it's just paint by numbers, right, James? Well, <laughs> Elder Scrolls is a good example of a hyper realistic game. Yeah, and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And with our current technology. It's very easy to hit the uncanny valley where things very much, just yeah. look wrong. And so cel-shaded games now are a great way for developers to make something highly stylized, and often these games just have more spirit to them. Oh, yeah. Uh, unless you're in like the triple, quadruple A game studios, this is what a lot of people do. Back James, then, this yeah. was this was wrong. James, I, I poo-poo on indie games. Come on. <laughs> Okay, well, the real, the only way you're gonna have a real enjoyment of a game is if you go through AAA indie games and you pay seventy five dollars for them. Okay. Anyway. So, I picked out a few self shaded games that were notable from the era. This was not a unique thing. No, no, it really wasn't. A lot of the games making these were like anime spinoffs, like small time games. But some big yeah. games that came out: Beautiful Joe One and Two. Beautiful Which Joe was two thousand. Highly recommend those. Monster Rancher Three was two thousand one. Sly Cooper, the Devious Raccoonus, was 2003. Uh, What these guys have in common, though, is they all have this very cartoony, over-the-top atmosphere, very highly stylized, and people just didn't like that idea for a Zelda game. Or rather, it was very divisive. Well, I think think they always assumed that it needed to be very much kind of an kind of uh, more a little more serious. It was always kind of seen as more the more serious title of. The Nintendo property, right? As yes. opposed to like Mario and things like and that. Nintendo has picked up a more child-oriented reputation over time, but Zelda was very much an epic fantasy franchise. Oh, yeah. And it still is. And uh, some titles have been darker than others, but this is definitely the lightest one since, gosh, since the, uh, not the Wind Waker, the... Uh, Trilling of the... 
Island of the Windfish. I didn't even know they had one. Uh, Link's Awakening, that's what it was called. Link's Awakening, I was like, yeah. Island of the Windfish. I was like, what are you Yeah, doing? it's just Link's Awakening, which that one is actually pretty dark, too, when you get to the end of it. I was going to say, that's even, even even that one has kind of a dark undertone at the very end, too, like you were saying. But, it's almost Buddhist, I think. But, yes, it is. <laughs> um, but, like, this is just straight up everything I've seen of it, like, even some of the, you know, like I said, I haven't played it, but I, I did watch several of the uh, the trailers for it, and everything kind of just kind of that, that spouts from it is just childlike innocence and kind of just a very easygoing kind of game. And there is, there is a little bit more, um, there is, uh, uh, like I was saying, there is combat and things like that, yeah. but it's very low key. Yeah. Right? For example, like a lot of the basic orc enemies, they're the highly stylized, like hunched over pig animals. And in a lot of sequences, they literally carry lanterns around to hunt for you with. I mean, it's, it's got a more cartoony feel. Which, Sounds familiar, James, which, in its original debut, a lot of people poo-pooed. Now, over time, in the last 20 years, this is, like you said before, become more and more popular because while realistic art styles tend to not age very well, yeah. these cartoony stylized games, they keep their staying power. Yeah, and, you, and play, like, you play Legend, you play the Zelda Wind Waker now, it's the same as it was then. Yeah. Whereas something that was intended to be more realistic, like Majora's Mask, might look bad to modernize. It, 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 that, and I will kind of like definitely you know, bounce off you a little bit on that. That's very true because like you said, even though that you said, even though the, the art style is cartoonish still, they don't have to modernize it or like that. It looks fine the way it is. It is and as it long is. as it has a decent, decent story on it, you can really, the game can really last. Like it's kind of like the simple fact, like uh, a lot of the other Zelda games are, are pretty much staples nowadays still for you to play. Like, I ask somebody like, Hey, you know, if somebody asked me like, Hey, what kind of game would you recommend? Like my, my nephew even, mm-hmm. because you know, Isaac, he's just getting ready to turn. Um, I think he's going to turn nine. I think he is nine. He's going to turn 10 yeah. maybe. But anyways, um, he was, he's actually looking for new things and he really likes Sonic. And I was like, well, here, try this. And they have the Nintendo switch. And yeah. I actually turned him on to links awakening actually. Yeah. Cause I was like, which is switch me, man. Cause that's a perfect game for a kid. That's good. A hundred percent. And I was just like, and, and it, even though it's, got those you know pixelated graphics and things like that the story though is so much deeper than it than a lot of other games that are just like flashy like sonic i'm like there's not really a story there ever it's just like i gotta go fast and i gotta save the little birdies or whatever it is you know it's it's like yeah like sonic or super mario odyssey which are both super mario is an amazing game in its own right but the story is just like gaming crack right you're going around you're collecting these moons the story is kind of there, but it's really just yeah. kind of like I need to get a moon every thirty seconds. Cool, so I can use my high. Cool, I can use my head and I can turn it into a dinosaur yeah. Mario. It's really cool, but and and that's why I really like a lot of these Zelda games, and I'm always looking for something new to play in this series because it has so much more staying power. I feel like than a lot of these Mario's and um, other titles. I feel like if the if the title has a really good story. It can make it can elevate all the mediocre properties of the game so much more. It helps. Anyways, that's my two cents. But I, <laughs> I, I just really wanted to stick that point on there because that's yeah. that is one of the things that really draws me into games. So. so, as far as gameplay goes, the emphasis on this game is on environment. So, since it's set in an ocean, wind is like the omnipresent thing. That's right. In, yeah. in everything, even from the very beginning of the game, and yeah. so this is one of the reasons they went with more cartoony style is. They have these stylized smoke plumes or leaves. Like the game is always informing you what's going on around you. 
and uh, you are in like a the map is laid out like a sea chart. Yep. There's 49 square gridded sections on the, the Great Sea. Mm-hmm. Most of them contain at least something, like a little island, a little island chain. Okay. More of them are small than big, but there's at least something in every little part of the grid. A lot of the map is optional. Some of it's not. So let me ask you this. This is the first time they've really had a big map like this for you to look at that's not like sectioned off like in the dungeons like they did in the yeah, last two the, games. The world map is a big focus here. Yes. And so every game has had a world map, but it's usually like each little section and it's all kind of self-contained. And unless you're like trying to 100% completion every single little corner, yeah. you don't really need the map that much. Okay. But in this one, the the sea chart is a big part of it because to get to places, you are literally getting in your boat and sailing. Yeah. And so the, the boat is the, the king of red lions. Early on, you get the ability to set the direction of the wind, which is important because you have to go with the wind. <laughs> you can tack across the wind like you can in a real sailing boat, but yeah. it's it's tedious. So <laughs> fair <laughs> most enough. Most players will find yourself, you know, continuously resetting the wind in the direction you want to go. You're going from island to island. There is like a warp song later, but even that doesn't go everywhere, and so sailing is where you get. Uh, cool. As far as the Zelda part of it, it has a sword. It has dungeons. It has lots of little side quests. Doesn't doesn't have the, the master sword though, does it? It does have a master sword. Oh it does? It does. Oh, it wouldn't be the same without the master sword. This is one of the games where you have to like, you know, forge a master sword, right? Where okay. you have to like get the elements and get it blessed to different temples and like, you know, create a master sword for yourself. Okay, so it does kind of fall that that kind of same tune as the other one a little bit. Yeah, so. if you play Skyward Sword, same kind of vibe where you're like that's another one I haven't sword. played. See, that's a good one too. They have a remake for the Switch now. It's really quite good. But anyway, the, one of the side quest items is the Picto Box, which is a camera, which I did not particularly enjoy. But this is one of those parts of the game where a lot of the side quests will kind of give a vague description, and you have to go and take a picture of it and bring it back to them. So, like, someone wants a picture of the moon. There's people who want pictures of like you know someone they think is cheating and but you're going around to different things. This so. seems like you're just it just seems almost like a Pokemon Snap kind of like we're gonna shove this in there. It's, yeah, it's a it's a side quest item. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's better than a bomber's notebook. Okay, I would love yeah, 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 I would love to see the reasoning why they wanted to have this in there because this doesn't seem like is there is there is there a reason for it anywhere else in the game other than just like to. I think it's just there. I mean, Majora's Mask did feature PictoBox, okay. which it was used for one or two side quests, but not to the same extent that this one did. Okay. I think this is one of the cases of where, oh, we're going to take something from the previous game and we're just going to expand on it. Because a lot of games did this in this area where you just kind of mindlessly expanded on everything before. And there's a bit of feature flow, but it's, it's interesting. Um, there was an item called the Tingle Tuner, which if you've ever played, if you've ever watched Wind Waker speedruns, you'll see them abusing this extensively. You had to have a Game Boy Advance and a Game Boy Advance connector cable mm-hmm. to connect to your device, to your GameCube, which those things were not cheap, by the way. <laughs> and then you had to find it in-game, and you had this item called the Tingle Tuner, which you could buy things in oh. the Tingle Shop, and you could have him assist you oh, in different ways. I'm just saying, that is not a great name. <laughs> That for 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 a game for an item to have because that makes me chuckle and you knew exactly what I was thinking when you said it <laughs> and so I'm just gonna leave it right there for everybody so and I know who Tingle is he's he's one of those weird like those weird characters in there that I love that you love to hate him because you love just, to hate him 
And this is no. one of the games where he was particularly present. Yeah. I mean, he's in the Game Boy games, he's in Majora's Mask, but for me, this is like the quintessential Tingle game. That's fun. If you're into, <laughs> if you're into Tingle. Well, um, I mean, who isn't into Tingle, James? <laughs> Anyways. Tingle didn't pop. But, <laughs> oh my. Uh, anyway. <laughs> a lot of the items you pick up as you explore have different functions where yep. the grappling hook is a grappling hook, but when you're on the boat, it's a crane that lets you pull up wreckage from the bottom of the sea. Nice. And to find a lot of these wreckage, you meet sea charts and stuff. Anyway, for the game development, like I said this one started in 2000, just before Manjora's Mask was completed. Uh, it was headed up by the Oji Onama. Mm -hmm. So Shigeru Miyamoto at this point was starting to step back from being the direct lead on every single yeah. game. And now he's moving towards more supervisory roles. So yep. you're starting to see other people bring in, and that's why you'll see a lot of these other games have some players and the ones that he yeah. he's more, I think he's moving into more of the creative executive position, which exactly. is which is where he's at. I believe that's where he's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean he's got some time. He is definitely he's in his, on, is in his eight in he's in his eighties, yeah, isn't he? Grades. He's up there. Which to be fair though, you know it's Japan's some guys gotta, Japan's gotta work yourself to that society. I know. So, well, it's even like if you look at people like um, like uh, uh, Miyazaki, dude has retired twice and come back because he just doesn't want to retire. You can't trust anyone else to do it. <laughs> I hate to say it. Or I like, his, his work is his life, I guess. I, I mean, I hate to say it. Artists are very weird like that, and that's the way they are. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, everyone knows that. Some people just don't look themselves. It's true. I, I know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm not going to do hardly anything, and I'm probably just going to travel around and play video games. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you're a builder and you retire, then you build things in your front yard for your fun. I mean, if you're an yeah. artist and you retire, what are you going to do? You're going to do art again. I mean, oh, well, even my father, like, like it's like I said, he that's what he does now. It's like he's basically retired, but he still works. You know, he works maybe like half the amount he does, but he still does odd jobs around the house and does like odd jobs for people for for mm -hmm. cash and stuff like that because he's just like. He's, ne he's never going to stop working. Yeah, stay busy. Uh, when, you stop, when you stop working, you die. I feel like that's oh, 100%. Right. So, that's how it is. But, so these but, guys definitely worked really hard on this. I know that. All right. So anyway, for this one, this is where this kind of controversy gets started. Because just like Urizelda before, and I was not cognizant of this yeah. as a kid, there was some bait and switch involved in this. So the game was originally thought to follow Ocarina of Time designs and to be kind of a sequel to it. And they were going to enhance the graphics for the new system's capabilities. Pretty basic stuff. So they came hastily put together kind of a clip of Link fighting Ganondorf, and they got it out in the 2000 Space World Exposition. Mm -hmm. And this is where the Nintendo GameCube was announced. Yeah. Everyone was a big fan of this oh, whole yeah. thing. And they thought this was going to be the next Zelda game. Well, to be fair, though, this is also this is also uh, Nintendo finally making the jump to discs. Yes, finally. Finally. <laughs> the cartridge system had finally become so limited they couldn't do it anymore, and they yeah. made the disc, which... It's kind of ironic now in that we're going back to cartridges because uh -huh. you can store a lot on a mini USB drive now. But a lot if they had some better. So that's a whole other issue. Yeah. They, they definitely have a have their own limitations on on the, those little mini USBs and also the just the hardware on it. So I love that stuff, but it's it's, it's still very. It's got its own problems. Yeah. Oh yeah. But so the Zelda team sat down to start to get to crunching and figuring out what to do, and they were out of ideas. They, they've done this for four or five years now. They didn't 
they yep. wanted to do with this anymore. They wanted to find a new direction. They had the writer's block. Apparently, one of their designers made a cartoonist drawing of a young Link that everyone loved. And so they thought, oh, we're just going to do this. They did it all <laughs> in a similar style. And then everyone got excited about this stylized cartoon aesthetic. Like I said, it gives you a lot of leeway to do like wind effects and weather effects and stuff yeah. in a way that's visible to the player in a fair way that's hard mm-hmm. to represent with realistic graphics. And they fell in love with it. Now, they were worried that Miyamoto was going to hate it. So, what they did do was they hid it from him. Because <laughs> that's the smart thing to do always, is whenever you're afraid of what your parents going to say, you hide it. Until they got much further along. And then he couldn't say no. <laughs> Yay! And so that's how they ended up on the ocean. They did the whole cell shaded style. And I don't think Miyamoto figured out, learned about this till closer to 2001. Uh-oh. <laughs> so... Um, Probably why he was a little irritated, maybe. So initially, they were concerned that like Miyamoto apparently was very focused on the character's super large eyes, <laughs> which again is a very anime style thing yes. to do. And if you ever watch like Sailor Moon and stuff in this era, they got very, gigantic eyes, a gigantic almond shaped eyes. Yes, and so the three. That's clearly where some of the inspiration from the style oh, yeah. of this game. Oh came yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's part of the reason why it did better than better in Japan than the U.S. at the time, mm-hmm. but. He was kind of playing more of the mentor role. He kind of told him, like, well, it's not too late to change this. You want to do it anyway. <laughs> he's trying not to be as heavy-handed as he always has not, been. Yeah, he's not the big boss. He's the big boss, but he's not. This is he's his project. Yeah. So they presented a demo of the game in 2001 at Space World. And uh, reception was mixed because people were expecting to see the same game they saw last year. Yep. They saw something totally different, and everyone started calling it Zelda because it was cel-shaded. It is a is a clever play on words. I'll give it that. Yeah, and so there was a playable demo in two thousand two at the Electronic Arts Expo, um, where they were trying to demonstrate Link's ability to use enemies' weapons. Because this yeah. is one of the things in this game is that when you use the orcs and stuff, they would drop their weapons and you could pick them up and use them for a little while. Yeah. Um, the demo was bugged and worked very badly, which added more shade to an already cel shaded game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the positive people said, oh, it feels like Zelda. And the bad people are like, look at this, it's a buggy mess. It's supposed to come out like in three months. It's bull. So it came out in Japan in late 2002. And it came out in North America, like in the first quarter of 2003, the later part of the first quarter. Yeah, I remember telling you. Um, the gap was pretty long as the developers frantically reworked some segments. So apparently the game was kind of crunched. For example, there was supposed to be two more dungeons. Uh-oh. And they got cut, and they replaced them because they needed to pad the game time with uh, that whole quest to recover the Triforce, which is an infamous part of this game that it plays. So part of this game is that whenever you get to the last part of the game, you have to recover the Triforce, and it's been broken up into little bitty like chunks of Triforce, which in order to recover it, you have to collect all the Triforce charts from various side quests. That's just... And then you have to follow the chart to the physical location of the ocean, and retrieve it with the crane item. It takes several hours, and it is a total pain in the butt, and it it's just completely breaks the momentum of the game, and so otherwise the climax of the game. That's and apparently excessive. the version we played in the U.S. is shorter than the Japanese version. Thank God. So I don't know what they were thinking with that, but that is probably, the, for me, the biggest stinker in an otherwise good game. Jeez, that's, that's kind of a rough thing. So I would ask myself, is like, why would they... What 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 kind of thought process do you think they would have got they're going through whenever they're saying well, we're going to shove this in the very end of the game 
that like is going to add on an additional like two hours. You said I know you said they're trying to pad the game a little bit more, but well, still, it's like what? Yeah. Really? And I think like because you finish these dungeons, you get the sword blast, you get the master sword. Yeah. And I think there want to be they wanted there to be something to do before you go into the final section and past Hyrule. And I guess they decide this is just what they're going to add. In fairness to them, there is some precedent for this. So, like, the original Zelda NES game featured a very similar thing. Yeah. Where you had to recover all the chunks of Triforce, and that was part of, like, the second playthrough. And it's not nearly as this bad, though. It wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah, and the, the ocean wind part of it just adds extra annoyance to it. <laughs> yeah. So, the game got released in December 13th in Japan, and America, it came out in March 24th. So, like I said, a good three-month difference between the two. Yeah. Now, in order to try to kind of shore up a controversial game, they released Ur Zelda, yep. which we talked about last time, which was the, the Master Quest, is what it got called in the US. Yep. And in order to try to make sure this game had a good launch, they put it as a pre order incentive. So if you ordered it, Ocarina of Time, if you ordered this for the GameCube, you would get a bonus disc with Ocarina of Time and Master Quest on it. Which was, of course, incredibly popular to the point where everyone canceled their previous pre-orders and got new pre-orders with this bonus. To be fair, that's exactly what I would have done. Oh so yeah, it's, exactly. It's free games, and so uh, in uh, Europe and America, it got only released as a two-disc package to make it simpler mm-hmm. because it was such a big profile in Japan. And so, reception-wise, it got pretty widespread critical acclaim. So Metacritic gave it a 96. Um, it got a perfect score from Famitsu in an era whenever perfect scores weren't traditionally given out to all the games that it, came out. That's still, I, I don't know if I would go a perfect score on it just watching. It's not, it's not a perfect score, but it's, it's very good. <laughs> and critics really loved it. Like I said, yeah. It has a very charming story. It has great pacing aside from that one quest. It has a cool stylized art style. Mm-hmm. It's got good music. But the player reception was mixed. Yeah. It did better in Japan, where that kind of anime style was already really well known. Now in the US, if you remember in the early 2000s, it was, anime was picking up traction, but this is something that was on Toonami. This is still kind of in the era of like Naruto was, was starting to kind of come in a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, this is like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, that's actually better, because Naruto came out more of like around like... I would say... A little later, yeah. This is like Dragon Ball Z, Yu Hakusho. I remember Cole trying to get me to watch Naruto, yeah, but I still, mean, but still, yeah, it was very they much... Were, they were showing anime on TV, but this was something which yeah, was... Yeah, DBZ was definitely one more mainstream. It was very much focused for boys. It was usually teen fighting show type stuff. And I mean, kind of anime. An- anime is only for boys, James. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Anyway, it, hadn't, it wasn't mainstream in America. No, right? definitely not. Not by any means. And this art style turned a lot of people off. And then I can uh, see that a little bit, yeah. Sales wise, uh, what did they get? I want to say they topped out at four point six million copies eventually, which <laughs> is which is good. <laughs> I mean, and for a GameCube game, that was great. A lot of that was pre-sales, because uh, like I said, the the Donald disc was very very popular. Yes, but by comparison, Ocarina of Time sold seven point six million. And Which, that was a much smaller market than the GameCube. Yes. The, the gaming market is expanding rapidly during this time frame. Yes, very much so. To the point now we're in now in 2020. Or 2020 now. Well, now, now indie games can get millions of sales. Yes. And uh, mainly mainstream games can get way, way more than that. So, 
a 7.6 million Ocarina of Time time should have been more like 10 million now. So this was considered a pretty disappointing reception. And this is probably why the next game to come out was hyper-realistic. Yes. Which, uh, which one was that one? It was the one with Midna and the Wolf Land. Are you talking about, oh, yeah, it's not Ock. Let me look up. Let me look it up real yeah, quick. Anyway, the next game had a hyper-realistic art style, I think, because of this. Now, I still think this is an Twilight game. Princess. Twilight Princess, that's it. Good call. Which, actually, that is one of the few ones I've actually replayed. I should have remembered that, because I played that. Candace actually let me play that one. That was really fun. I'm a fan of that one. But anyways. Um, but yeah, it... So... Uh, and you know, obviously the re- the reception, like you said, it was it was very much it was a little mixed, a, mix, a little divided. But you know, the sales were decent enough that it it it's it sold, and that was mainly partially because of the the double feature here in America with on yeah. on the it was, or, or it's not, the de- not the death of the franchise. It yeah. was by all accounts a really really good game. But that's the it thing; it did it's, sell really well. But it wasn't the blockbuster they were expecting. It's no. Really, they just came off of two games of the year. I mean, yeah. Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask were both amazing. You're going to have a slump here and there, but it's like, and that's, and that's going to happen with just about any franchise, right? Like, if we go a little bit further on in the franchise, right? What's one of the game? Which one of these games really kind of just didn't do it for you? I'm just curious, just off the top of your head. Um, curious. Further on in the franchise, yeah. Let's see, we had Twilight Princess, we had Skyward Sword. Let me look and see, because I'm curious to see which ones they actually had. Uh, I mean, maybe Twilight Princess. I mean, it's, it's a good game. To me, it didn't carry as well as the other ones around it did. Trying to see overview. That's not what I want. Skyward Sword has this very unnecessary crafting system in there where you're having to collect all these bugs and stuff. And is Tears of the Kingdom the new one they're coming out with? Tears of the Kingdom is the new one, yes. Okay, I was just curious. Cause... Which is coming up pretty soon. A few more months and that will be out. I'm pretty excited I'm re- about that. Are you saying that you would want to play Hyrule Warriors? <laughs> Hyrule Warriors <laughs> I didn't even play. Uh <laughs> Fantasy Warriors has never been like my genre. Like this kind of like run around and just do like a full on hack and slash army thing. I'll be honest with you, I definitely was not a big fan of it. So, what is this one? Is that the Phantom Hourglass? Because there's, I'm telling you, there's okay, Phantom Hourglass was bad. There's so many in here. I didn't even know they had some of these. Phantom Hourglass is like the uh, sequel to Spirit Tracks. Here's Wind Waker's. I'm just looking at all the different ones that they even had. It's just kind of ridiculous. There's uh, been a lot of tie-in games over the years. Triforce Heroes. Triforce Heroes is bad. See, maybe, maybe Zelda and the Four Swords. That one I didn't like very much, but that was a GameCube game. Ripened Tinkles. Uh, Balloon Trip of Love. I have never heard of that one. Uh, I'm going to have to show you the video. Let me pull it up. Okay, Okay, if I had to pick one that didn't do it for me, it's going to be Zelda and the Four Swords. And the reason why is because I did not... I didn't... (laughs) It's over here on this side. Freshly picked Tinkles wrote... Oh, there's a few of these. Wow. Oh, we might have to do a Tinkle series, James. We're going to have to do a Tinkle series. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is is strange. Yeah. I'm loving these, though. (laughs) This is great. They might be really good. Man, they remade uh, 
See, I even played Minish Cap, and that wasn't like terrible. It was, it was okay. It wasn't Minish great. Minish Cap was good. I liked it. It wasn't as good as Four Seasons and uh, Oracle of Time were, but oh, Minish wow. Cap was fun. I played that one a couple times. See, most of the the Game Boy Advance Zelda games are actually quite good. Four Swords I didn't like though because it has this mechanic where you like copy yourself four times and it's really tedious, and you have to like, it's just not as good. It happens. You could have done uh, Link, The Faces of Evil. I've never heard of that one. Which I believe this is... Oh, wow. This is definitely not good. Oh, that's why. Okay. It's on the CDI. That's... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, not that's not a good thing. You've never heard of the CDI? It's, I've never heard of the CDI. It's, 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 I'll, I'll have to show you a video of it someday. It's pretty bad. Like, some of those games, they did, yeah. they don't, it's, just, it's just not good. But... <laughs> But yeah, but like every, like I was saying though, before I got sidetracked, but every franchise will have their ups and their downs and you can look at all of them. Like, you know, Assassin's Creed has this, has the same thing too. Like I think Brotherhood was really bad yeah. in my opinion, but they all have that up and down with it. And you're going to, and if, especially if you put out this many games, you're going to have some stinkers. And yeah. the fact that this did just halfway well, and because it did, because of the departure from just the basic art style and some slightly different gameplay, I think is a is more than enough, uh, you know, praise in my opinion uh, from the sales and the, and the reception. Yeah. And if people don't like it, like I said, that's why people they they that's why I tell people all the time: if you don't like something, you 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 vote with your money. You well, know, and looking back twenty years, I would say this was ahead of its time. Oh yeah, in, well, term, in terms of the art style, the way they were kind of departing from the hyper realistic stuff. I mean, I think it was. There's a reason it's carried over time. It had a very successful HD remake on the Wii U. I'm hoping they will put it on to Switch at some point, which, who knows. It's Nintendo, James. I don't know either. But we'll see. Fingers crossed. If not, I'm sure we could find it around somewhere. But, but So let me ask you this, James. How many um, sunken Triforce pieces out of 10 would you give, the, give this game? Um, for a Zelda game, I'll give it a 9 out of 10. Okay. To me, it was, it's a very solid Zelda title. It's a lot of fun to play. The main stickler for me is just the tediousness of sailing the boat around sometimes. It, it loses some of its charm by the end of the game. And, and it is something, like I said, it's, it's that is the one thing I've noticed about some of these games is like it just, if you don't have a good kind of like cadence throughout it, you, you can lose your kind of, uh, your, your, the steam, for lack of a better word, uh, to the end of the game, or your my your the wind will kind of like flutter out. Or oh, here you go. Here's how's that for a Zelda game that doesn't do it for me? Cadence of Hyrule. Really? You it's, didn't? Look- it's actually fun for a two player. Me and Kelly played it together. I was gonna say we, you. I thought we, Kelly we, said we, she we loved it. We crushed it in the evening. It was fun. Okay. It, just, it doesn't have the replay value, and it doesn't feel like a Zelda game. But it's an evening. It's just them trying something different. It's a so. lot easier than Crypt of the Necrodancer. That's for sure. Yeah, dude. But I I. I might have screamed at my computer a couple times <laughs> trying to play that game. That was I just don't do rhythm games. Sorry, especially in the simple fact it's like you have to do rhythm and like try to make playing your moves out a hand of time. It, it mm. doesn't. I just don't do it. But anyways, um, so so right now, obviously, you said it hasn't been released out on the on the Switch yet. Um, there's no plans for it to be released out on the Switch. The last place you could even get this is maybe lastly off the Wii U. Um, yeah, if you want to play I, it on I a console, it'll pop up at some time. Nintendo has been trickling some of their back order catalog to kind of pop up their Nintendo online. So yeah, they better. Like we talked about last time, Link to the Past, Majora's Mask, all those things are on their Nintendo online stuff yep. now. 
And so, and Skyward Sword came out with an HD remake already. Yep. And so I feel like either Twilight Princess or Wind Waker is probably due for a remake next. It's getting there, yeah. Now, there's a mainline game coming out this year, so I'm thinking maybe this winter or next spring we'll see, another, kinda we'll see another remake to kind of fill in the gap. Tide us over a little bit. Exactly. Fill in, fill in our, uh, our, our, give us a little bit of our, our, uh, our tinkle thirst. Yeah, it, it's a... Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you totally didn't hear me for like five I am, seconds. I am thirsty for Tingle. Yeah, no. Uh, no, you are thirsty. No, in a, he is, he's a short glass of water again. Oh my! <laughs> hey, you can be you can be big bear. He can be small bear. It's all good. Well, so it's good. But that's right. Anyway, <laughs> I I've enjoyed these remakes. I mean, everyone's remaking their old games now. It's an easy way to get a guaranteed win. And it's cheap for the studio, but yeah, it's also nice because a lot of these titles are very inaccessible now. That they, were, they were developed for consoles that are becoming increasingly hard to get a hold of. Yes, a lot of them are released on physical discs or cartridges that are getting harder and harder to get which hold is, of. Which is the market's moving away from that, so it's a lot. Don't get me wrong. If you want to pick up this game on the original hardware, I'm sure you can go on eBay and pick one up for a couple hundred bucks. Oof. Without without too much trouble, but it's not what I'd call highly accessible anymore. And so is I, it? Yeah, I would like to see them keep moving some of these old classics to digital formats where you can access them. I said, unless, like I said, unless you have like lots of expendable income, which nowadays a day these nowadays a lot of folks don't, especially younger folks, um, uh, and it's harder for them to do that. And it's like I said, for them to pay what like isn't the um, the uh, the Nintendo subscription is cheap. Like, it's it's only like it's only like two bucks a month or something like that. But then yeah. you add on the extra package; it's still only like four even, bucks a even month. Even with the bonus package, it's like fifty bucks a year or something. It's really cheap. which is really cheap uh, compared less than that, like forty bucks a year or something. Yeah, it's and compared so. compared to the other ones. It's super cheap. And like I said, if you don't even want to pay that, there's ROMs and emulators out there you yeah. can go grab this stuff on. Um, but they they don't have the whole Super NES catalog by any means. But they've got the highlights of the Super yeah. NES catalog. They've got a fair number of 64 games now. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a good service. And especially if you're just looking to fill in a kid's time, I mean, there's a lot kid's of time. What about my, what about my time? Well, your time too. Man. My time is important, James. <laughs> I want to play animal crossing 64. Oh, shoot me now. <laughs> Not at all. That was definitely uh, a, that was definitely a Reese. Uh, game you thought for a while the animal crossing for the switch was grindy. Where do you see the classic Animal Crossing games? Oh, I've seen it. I hate it. I hate them all. And that's why whenever you guys are like, we're going to play a farming game. And I'm like, you guys can just piss off. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like I don't like that kind of stuff. Although I will say um, Rice and Ruin was actually very fun. I, I, I enjoyed that. It's fun. And I was okay with that. Stardew Valley is fun too. I've tried three times to try to play now, it. I don't play games like that by myself anymore. But I can't. Yeah, co-oping it with my wife was fun. I might, I might see if, like, say, if you want to take a break from like all the league and stuff, and after we get done with tribes, maybe we can start up our own little village. We can do a farm. I'll, I'll do a farm. I bet, I bet we could get Tara to do that. We probably could. How many people can play Stardew at the same time? Uh, four. Ooh, we could, mm. we could do a foursome. We might. I don't know about that. <laughs> I would be more than happy to play. That, that's where with... you draw. That's where you draw the line, David. Yes. <laughs> Tingle jokes are okay, but that's where you draw the line. You know what? <laughs> Mine are tasteful. Yours were slovenly. Yes. They just didn't have that same tingle. No, it just didn't tingle me the way. Didn't really touch my tingle the way it should, James. Anyways, tingle my bell. You didn't tingle my bell, James. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, 
Um, that's pretty much our episode for the day. Uh, I just want to say thanks uh, for James for coming. Really, kind of like waxing philosophical, what about, waxing all, waxing out all the knowledge that he had for us, especially his love for a lot of these Zelda games. Because uh, I, I, if you guys couldn't tell, this is one of his more one of his favorite franchises of all time. So, and I am definitely not as uh, uh, for lack of a better word, we're knowledgeable as he is on this. So it was good to have you in here. And I think the next series, we're going to try and do something maybe on my side of, this, of the aisle so he can ask me a little more questions. Out of war or something like that? Or? Yes, and I'm going to tell you about all the quick time, quick time sex events, James, that I had, I had to live through and I had to explain to my wife what the hell was going on. Yeah. The quick time <laughs> events are strong in God of War. It's, uh... And some of them are needless and not necessary at all. That's God of War. The entire game is needless and unnecessary. I had to explain that to my wife. So, but yeah, we might look around and see. I'll I'll, I'll dig around and uh, am it's I better than trying to explain to your wife Food Wars whenever it's on TV? No, I love. I will explain away. That is gorgeous. It's amazing. It's just it's senseless and so tasty to look at. If only I can make food that looked half or looked and tasted half as good as that was. I mean, if you can make food that makes the clothing literally explode off of people, then that would be a thing. Don't tempt me. I can try. You could be the next Salt Bay. That's right. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. You know he got barred from the next FIFA World Cup because he tried to grab the the World Cup from one of the guys. I heard he just like showed up and was randomly trying to pose with people and because he's irrelevant, James. He's totally irrelevant. And from people that have gone to his restaurant, it sounds like it's a pretty standard steakhouse that he charges outrageous prices for. Yep. I don't know. Props to him for making it work. I mean, he's obviously going to be a flash in the pan. I don't think he's going to last too much longer, but you know what? <laughs> if he can make his 10 million bucks off of people with too much money and then peace out, then more power to him. But yeah. I don't know what the hell he was doing at the FIFA World Cup, though. Uh, blowing money. But either way, though. But yeah, that's that's yeah enough of our, our, our soccer car football commentary i don't i don't i don't talk about sports at all really all that much but but either way james um thanks for coming in talking to us about this um we'll let you guys know what we're going to be talking about here next you know month or so or it might be a surprise because we're lazy we didn't decide to put out a notice of any kind we'll figure it out always a possibility but um well thanks guys for coming in and listen to us and remember tell your friends about us and if you have any questions call us in all right bye guys if you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.